Well, if you would, turn in your Bibles to the book of Galatians. Over the last several years, I have taken this Sunday around Christmas to to teach a Christmas meditation of sorts. And so we'll do the same this morning as we have done in these recent years. We are studying the book of Romans, but this morning we're going to look at the book of Galatians. I am grateful for uh, Aaron Meyer, by the way, preaching last week in my stead. Our text is Galatians chapter 4, beginning in verse 4. But when the fullness of time had come, God sent forth his son, born of a woman, born under the law, to redeem those who were under the law, so that we might receive adoption as sons. And because you are sons, God has sent the spirit of his son into our hearts, crying, Abba, Father. So you are no longer a slave, but a son. And if a son, then an heir through God. Father, what a wonderful time to turn our hearts to you, to seek wisdom from you, to seek strength in your word, and to offer you worship and wonder. And we ask this morning that you would now turn our hearts to the glory that you have revealed in Jesus' birth and in the gospel. We love you. Amen. Jesus' birth was never a possibility. It was always a guarantee. And when the Apostle Paul writes, when the fullness of time had come, he doesn't mean that God the Father was up there watching history move by him, flow by, and suddenly saw that all of the circumstances had lined up correctly And then in this one moment of opportunity, when the fullness of time happened to work out, he sent forth his son. What Paul means is that when God had put all of the right right pieces into place according to his plan, as he moved history along, that he did what he had promised to do. And not only what he had promised to do, but what he had intended to do from eternity past. And that it was to send a savior. This is what the angel declared to the shepherds in their fields watching their flocks by night, isn't it? In Luke chapter 2 verse 11, For unto you is born this day in the city of David a savior, who is Christ the Lord. And so God sent forth his son. How? Did he send him forth in splendor, in majesty, glory? Did he send forth his son in kingly battle array? And what did this sending forth entail? And maybe more importantly, what did it mean for us? How did God accomplish it? How did it come about? And what does it mean for us, the human race? Paul gives us five links in a chain of meaning, if you will, a chain of consequences. 
here in Galatians chapter 4. God sending forth his son first means incarnation. It means incarnation. His son was, verse 7, born of a woman and born under law, the law. This first phrase, born of a woman, tells us two important truths about Jesus. Because he is God's son, his humanity has to be explained. If he is God's son and eternally preexistent, eternally existing before anything that has been created existed, then how is it that he is sent forth? His humanity has to be explained. No one has to introduce me or you as born of a woman. That's a given. You can't be born any other way. And so being born of a woman, though, has to be explained for Jesus' coming to make sense. So he is born of a woman. That's how God's son is sent forth. But it also highlights this. He is born of a woman. Being born of a man is conspicuously absent. Or being born of man and woman. God's son was born of a woman, but he is not born of man. In other words, Jesus is perfect. He is sinless. He did not inherit Adam's Sin, Adam's nature, Adam's alienation from God. It's a lot packed into that little phrase, born of a woman. This, of course, is what we celebrate with Christmas, Jesus' birth. He is born of a woman, but not of man. It is how God has sent forth his son. He is incarnate. God the Son became human. And this, of course, is the great wonder of this holiday. And we as God's people know it. There is a time to study it. There is a time to defend it. And there is a time to simply bow the knee in wonder and worship. Not only because God miraculously sent his son, but why he sent his son. Now, the second phrase adds another important truth, and that is that being born of a woman, God's son was born under the law. In other words, he was born into captivity and imprisonment. Now, Paul here is talking about the law, that is the the law of Moses, the law that God has revealed to establish a a covenant relationship with the people of Israel. But in this context, Paul is looking at it in a much larger context. And he's saying that in this sense, the entire human race is responsible to the law. And we know this because of how the entire human race is described back in Galatians chapter 3, verse 23. If you would look just back a few verses. Now before faith came, we were held captive under the law, imprisoned until the coming faith would be revealed. 
So then, verse 24, the law was our guardian until Christ came in order that we might be justified by faith. So Paul here has been arguing that it is because of our sin that the law has been placed over the human race as God's standard for right and wrong, but that the law serves as a guardian in that it cannot help us get from a place of captivity and imprisonment under sin to a place of freedom. The law wasn't meant to do that. It is simply a prison guard. To be born as one of us, watch, God's son joined us in our imprisonment. Because of sin, the law has us chained. God sent forth his son to share those chains, to be under the law. But his incarnation means freedom. His incarnation means our freedom. In becoming incarnate, he was born of a woman. And being born of a woman, he was also born under the law. But why? To free us. Verse 5. To redeem those who were under the law. Here we go. We are under the law. We are imprisoned. We are held captive. The word redeem means to buy out of. And, and the word pictures a scene in the marketplace, the agora, where slaves would have been set up on a block and auctioned off. And Paul, Paul just fills this word with greater meaning than anyone could ever see in that picture. But God sent forth his son to redeem us, to buy us out of that captivity. That is to obtain our freedom. Now Paul doesn't mention here how Jesus did that. He's done that earlier in the book of Galatians already by talking about Jesus being crucified. That's how Jesus, God's son, sent forth, has redeemed us. That is how he has bought us back with his own life. As I say, I think, every Christmas, and I will say it again today, and I will say it again next year, Jesus was born to die. That is why he came. And the shadow of the cross is always cast over the cradle. But the point here that Paul is making is that God's son was born of a woman. He was born under the law to break us out of prison from the inside. And so instead of somehow breaking into the prison, God sent forth his son into the prison, into the captivity, under the law, to break us out from the inside. And to do that, God's son had to suffer. He had to suffer the pain and the shame of our slavery to free us. 
And why did he free us? You see the chain, how Paul chains these together. He was born of a woman. He was born under law to redeem those under the law. Why? So that we might receive adoption as sons. Incarnation means freedom. And freedom means adoption. Again, verse 5. So that we might receive adoption as sons. So you see, God's son became one of us to free us, to break us out from the inside, so that we could become one of his, that we would be sons. You can see this great interchange. God sent forth his son to go into prison, to come under captivity with us, like us, to become one of us so that he could free us to become one of his, that we could become sons, that we could belong to God. Adoption is this rich word that the New Testament uses to describe how God takes us as orphans, as outcasts, and makes us belong to God. Just this week, I saw orphans. These were orphans with special needs, with disabilities, and I was struck with how destitute, how cast out, how forgotten and neglected they are. But you see, the reality of adoption is only valued by those of us who have been adopted. Because before we were adopted, we didn't understand how destitute and how outcast we really were. Because you see, this being orphaned is not being cut off from the rest of mankind or from parents. It is being cut off from the presence of God, from blessing, from hope, from eternity, from forgiveness, from truth. That is our alienation. God sent forth his son to make us his own, to give us sonship to bring us into relationship. And that's the next link in the chain. Incarnation means freedom. Freedom means adoption. And adoption means relationship. It means relationship. Verse six. And because you are sons, God has sent the spirit of his son into our hearts, crying, Abba, Father. Abba, Father. Here is what adoption means. This is how sonship is formed. This is, if you will, to keep in the, uh, the illustration of adoption, this is how we gain his last name. This is how we are made family. God sends the spirit of his son to seal our adoption. He sends the spirit of his son into our hearts, which is just another way of saying that he sends his spirit to dwell within us. 
we celebrate Christmas with Jesus' name, Emmanuel, God with us. But how, how great is God's presence with us, even though Jesus has now departed? And how can it be because he has sent his spirit into our hearts? He has spent, uh, sent his spirit to dwell within us. That is why we can still cry, Emmanuel, God with us. If God's spirit did not dwell within us, then it would have been a past Emmanuel. God had been with us. And yet God is still with us. God is still with his people because his spirit dwells within us. God sent his son to free us. God sends the spirit of his son to seal our adoption. And it is this adoption that now gives us access to God the Father. That was the alienation. That was the orphaning. That was being outcast. We could not come to God. We could not know God. We could not seek God. But now we are adopted. And God has sent his spirit. And his spirit gives us access to the Father and and enables us to cry from the heart, Abba, Father. This is a, a cry of affection. This is a cry of nearness. This is an appeal that a child makes from his father's lap. Abba, Father. And it is the spirit that is present with us that enables us to cry out to him. No longer is, it an, is he an impersonal God. No longer is he an idea. No longer is he just a judge with a gavel ready to execute judgment. No longer is he the God who is far removed with his hands off of his planet and his creation and the human race. He is the God that to his own sons, his own children, we can cry to him, Abba, Father. And so the whole Trinity gets involved here, doesn't it? God the Father sends forth the Son. The Son frees us and makes us ready for adoption. The Father adopts us and sends his Spirit into our hearts, and we have the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit all at work in perfect harmony to bring us to himself, to make us his people. So adoption means relationship. And relationship then means inheritance. Inheritance. Verse seven. So you are no longer a slave, but a son. And if a son, then an heir through God. An heir of what? Everything. All of the blessings, all of the blessings that come from belonging to God, all of the blessings of sonship, you are now an heir. We are heirs of eternity. I've got to tell you, as I, as I visited this orphanage in Ukraine, and I saw the darkness there, and I, we, it's our hope to put together a a video and some slides, pictures, so that you can see 
what we saw. In seeing it, you will not hear what we heard and you will not smell what we smelled. But you will at least see the entrance to this orphanage, a bleak stone wall with one metal iron door. That's it. And you go through that door and you enter into a different world. And there is no way that you could walk in those hall and smell those smells and, and see those. Uh, many of them are children, many of them are adults. And we only saw the, the good cases, if you will. We saw the poster children of the orphanage, as Justin Reimer called them. But your, heart, your hearts will break when you see how they live and what being disabled in that culture is. And it was, I would say, the, the desire of the heart to want to deliver somebody out of that. In fact, I witnessed as, as we came out of the orphanage um, a, a group of men who were uh, clearly cognitively disabled, um, perhaps autistic, several of them, and it was the first time in all of the traveling in Ukraine and all of the visit to the orphanage that I personally felt vulnerable because the person who was leading them on this walk through the grounds as we came out of the orphanage um, and on our walk to exit the grounds through this iron gate, the person who was leading them had walked on and we were kind of coming down the stairs, myself and, and uh, Chris Osborne, and there were just these guys came around us and there was suddenly a feeling and they were pretty, they were big and they did not have boundaries. One of them slapped me on the arm just to get my attention, not to attack, but to, but to get my attention and he was pointing and he's wanting to say things. But in that volatility at any moment, they could have, you know, but I saw one of them hit strike one of the other patients, a smaller guy who had followed us out, super happy, kind of chatting with us, trying to chat with us. And when this other bigger guy saw him out, he just popped him in the back of the head. And I felt defensive. I felt myself rise up like, whoa, hang on. And then I realized that's, that's daily life there. That's daily life. And I would have given anything to be able to deliver somebody out of that place. But you see, when you deliver someone out of there, you've got to, put, you've got to take them somewhere. You have to be able to give to them. When God gave us our freedom, when he adopted us, he made us instantly heirs of all blessings. You are no longer a slave. You are a son. You are his child. And if you are his child, then you are an heir. Everything that is God's has become yours. It makes all of the gifts of Christmas a little bit anticlimactic, maybe. To know that you've been given all of the blessings from the triune Godhead. All because... God sent forth his son 
to be born of a woman. Amen. And Lord, I pray that our hearts would be filled with gratitude. Lord, I think of all of the the trappings of Christmas. And Lord, we know that there's nothing wrong with enjoying gifts and enjoying family and celebrating and eating meals together. Lord, we know these are good things from you. And yet at the same time, Lord, help us to be filled with gratitude and contentment, not because of all the trappings, but because of what you have accomplished in our lives for our good and your glory through the sending forth of your Son. And Lord, we give you praise this morning and honor because it was according to your plan that in the fullness of time, you sent your Son and you provided redemption. And now, Lord, as as the centuries have gone by and the millennia have gone by, still today you are changing lives. You continue to call people out of darkness. You continue to redeem people out of slavery. And Lord, all of your purposes will be accomplished. All of those whom you call will respond. And we give you glory this morning for that. And we are grateful. We are grateful that you have saved us. Thank you for sending your son to redeem us and to adopt us and to send your spirit to us that we might cry, Abba, Father. In your name we pray all of these things and declare them. Amen.